Welcome to Brawny Conversations. I am Patrick Braun, your host. This podcast will provide our listeners with informative and entertaining discussions held with experienced people covering a wide range of topics. If you want to shorten your learning curve or just learn more about one of our topics, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy our discussion. Stefan Brox is a highly competitive amateur triathlete and has been so for over 33 years, but he is way more than that. He is also a mechanical engineer. He owns a consulting practice. He lives in three of the coolest locations on the planet, Oregon, Wyoming, and Hawaii, and he lives the life that he and his wife have chosen. Today, Stefan will provide us insight into his passion for endurance events and also into his road less traveled of pursuing his passions and living life as he intends. He is a competitive age group triathlete and has competed in many Ironman World Championships in Kona. In 2015 and 2016, he was the top Big Island finisher in the World Championships. Stefan just completed Ironman Arizona in 10 hours, 20 minutes, and 16 seconds, which was sixth in age group and 124th overall. This earned him another trip back to the World Championships. Impressive to me was his averages per discipline. He averaged a minute and 42 seconds per 100 yards in the swim, 21.99 miles per hour in the bike, and an eight minute and 47 per mile or per minute mile per run. What what a performance that was. So, Stefan, welcome to the Brawny Conversations podcast. Awesome. No, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy uh, Friday, the uh, 13th. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, uh, yeah, really great to uh, be able to uh, um, hopefully share some insight and wisdom with you. Well, and I'm, I'm personally, Stefan, planning to learn from you. Uh, as you know, I just finished Ironman Arizona was my first Ironman. And uh, I was not technically racing. I was my goal was to finish. But I feel like there's a lot more potential there because you beat me by five hours and 10 minutes. <laughs> no, oh, no, very no, humbling. no. No, Patrick, no, no, you did a great job. I mean, kudos, uh, you know, get, getting the first one, getting that done, um, you know, just all the, the, the prep work and just uh, uh, the training and whatnot. No, that's super, that's, that's super awesome. Uh, no, 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 super, uh, super proud of you. Um, yeah, thank you. It was a great experience. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you get out there and you do it. And and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because of your extensive tenure and your highly competitive nature. There's so many pearls that are going to come from from this conversation and and the learning from you. And also beyond triathlon, just the life lessons. You live a very interesting life. You've been very successful, and and uh, you're doing you know you're living in a way that a lot of people would like to live, and and it's going to be interesting to to get your insights on uh, how you got there so super excited about this conversation Um, no absolutely let's get into it so as you're sitting here for this conversation i have to ask you have you been on a podcast before Never been on a podcast before. Uh, did uh, start a little YouTube channel uh, a little less than a year ago, so that's about my uh, the extent of my experience uh, as far as uh, you know doing stuff like this. No, but first time on a podcast. I love it. I have checked out your YouTube channel, and it's it's very interesting. And I love what you do because you use short form video very very well. Uh, and listeners will give you more on that at the end of the podcast or on, on my website. But but definitely um, check it out. It's it's uh, it's really really cool content. Um, 
So what are your thoughts and expectations about the conversation today? Do you have any, uh, any uh, preconceived notions? No, no, pre, no preconceived notions, Patrick. I uh, just want to you know, just share about, um, you know, I say our journey because it's definitely it's uh, my wife, Mary, and uh, uh, my journey, not just mine. And just kind of where it's taken us and where we want to go with it. Um, so, uh, yep, everything's fair game. Beautiful, beautiful. It's, it's going to be fun. So before we dive into the endurance sport experiences, I'd really like to, to dive into kind of your formative years and going back to the college years where you were a student at Virginia Tech. Um, tell, me, tell me how those years set the direction for your life that you're living now. Sure. Um, so, yeah, first of all, I, I do want to give out a shout out to Virginia Tech. Uh, just it was great school, great experience. Um, I, I, I learned a lot, probably not all the things that they wanted me to learn, but um, just <laughs> Just, just based on that, um, just, just a, just a, a really good experience, and um, and one of the things, just a great value um, on an education as far as just being able to graduate without really any debt. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, super, uh, yeah, just super happy uh, uh, with my experience there at Virginia Tech. Um, but just to kind of step back just a little bit, um, my dad, he's actually a retired mechanical engineer, so that's why I ended up going to a to a technical school. Um, I've always had a passion, um, I think for engineering, um, just kind of logical problem solving stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of the, kind of the beginning of that road. Um, you know, the thing that's probably a little different is my dad, he was always, um, uh, when he was working, he was kind of on the design side. He worked for a heavy construction machinery company. Uh, I was actually born in Germany, and we moved over here um, uh, in the early uh, uh, 70s um, when the company he was working for went worldwide. So that kind of is a precursor to, to kind of going to engineering school. Um, okay. I ended up actually going, uh, getting my engineering degree, but decided to go more um, the uh, the consulting route. And we can probably we can chat a little more about that. Um, I do want to preface preface all this with that I was not a great student at school, um, and I think that that actually ended up probably helping me out a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I was probably that guy that actually came to class late a lot, and then sat in the back and fell asleep. Um, that was probably not the, yeah, probably, probably not the best thing, but it, it, it certainly set the tone for, you know, one of the reasons I think we're doing what we're doing today. Um, okay. So, you know, I, I, you know, we're obviously we're here talking and, and we want to, you know, I, I want to hopefully, you know, offer some wisdom and, you know, and motivate folks a little bit, but I just do want to preface it with, I wasn't a stellar student. Um, I did end up on academic probation a couple of times. I mean, I actually started school with a scholarship that, uh, I, you know, within the year promptly lost. And so definitely, uh, there was, uh, uh, um, uh, some, some reckoning there, uh, especially for my parents. I think they, <laughs> I don't know, there were probably a, a, a few premature gray hairs there. Um, you know, uh, I did, yeah, I, I did eventually, I did graduate with a, with a bachelor of science in mechanical engineering degree. Um, uh, actually a Spanish minor, uh, as well. Um, just to kind of get my right br- or keep my right brain, uh, uh, somewhat active, but, uh, okay. yeah. I, you know, but, uh, no, it's funny. I mean, I, uh, 
you were saying you're talking about Ironman Arizona. Um, one of the, um, the, the, uh, I've done Ironman Arizona a number of times. And one of the reasons is my folks live down now in Scottsdale. My sister's down there too. So we're able to, uh, uh go down there and celebrate Thanksgiving, do the race and visit and have a nice time and, and, and catch up. But I, I just mentioned that because my mom always still, she, she goes, you know, we never really knew that you graduated until that uh, degree. Uh, the diploma actually came like a month later in the mail. We we didn't we had <laughs> we, we, well, did, we to, didn't know. I have, to, I have to ask you while you're having you know challenges in 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 college and having you know there's lots of experience to be had. What mm-hmm. kept you motivated to to ultimately finish and get the degree? Was it was it the the cool aspects of what you're learning or was it, you know, the, the mom and dad behind you saying you need to get your degree? What, what kept you going? Uh, what kept me going was, uh, that I, I, I wanted to be an engineer. Um, I, I, I enjoyed that technical, uh, you know, the, that, that side and that problem solving. And even when I got, you know, a little lost there just in the collegiate experience, uh, you know, uh, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but, uh, just getting into bike racing and, and doing a lot of mountain biking and camping and, and just having a really just a, a, a great time in the collegiate experience, but just, you know, having come out of a, a high school experience where everyone was telling you, you know, how smart you were and you you know you got your 4.0 and everything's good you know for me that experience was you you got to university and really what uh what what i found was that nobody really cared whether you succeeded or not or whether you went to class or not or whether you passed a test or not and you know at the time i didn't have the maturity to to kind of handle that but i think that ended up helping me you know just again for where we are uh, uh you know with my wife and i today just because um just having to kind of learn to kind of uh to 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 you know to to bootstrap myself um yeah, because certainly, I mean, when I when I was in school, uh, you know, when I got done, uh, I ended up going for an extra semester uh, just to pull the grades up. But it certainly set the tone for the rest of life or rest of my life um, because I had no hope for graduate school. So it was like, nope, you're you're going to have to go work and uh, and uh, make things happen. Um, but uh, I certainly, I was going to say, I don't I don't advocate here, you know. Uh, wasting time in school. You know, if I had to do this all over again, would I do it the same? Probably not. I, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, learning from your mistakes and I sure made a heck of them, a lot of them there. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think uh, that, um, that I would certainly, you know, advocate for, uh, uh, you know, getting a degree in a viable field like this and, um, you know, and doing something that you have a passion for. And, and certainly engineering is mine. Uh, that that passion, just that love for problem solving. Yeah, well, and it also it also speaks to you know that that famous saying about uh, doctors, right? What do you what do you call the person who finished last in their class in medical school? Doctor, yep. you, right? You, you call them a doctor. And, yep, that's exactly right. And uh, you know you. Uh, Obviously, you're highly skilled at what you do, and grades sometimes don't always even correlate to every aspect of it. So, um, 
I love I love the fact that you you had some challenges and difficulties and distractions, but ultimately got it done. And uh, clearly, you're you're highly successful now. So if we go back to when you graduated from college, and we look at that that first opportunity, right? You weren't going to go to graduate school. So mm-hmm. where? How did your first job come about uh, out of out of Virginia Tech? What? Uh, where'd you go? What'd you do? Yeah, no, 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 no. Interesting, uh, interesting story. Um, so I did have, I had a girlfriend at the time and she was pretty hot and heavy into getting out to the West coast and, uh, you know, that that was the place to be. And I just said, you know, Hey, that, that seems like a good idea. I was just a guy and I was kind of along for the ride and <laughs> we ended up, I, and I had a car, um, uh, which actually I need to step back there too. uh, my, my parents ended up, uh, just, to give you a little backstory there, uh, they ended up helping me buy a car um, after as I was graduating uh, because I ended up um, actually buying a couple of motorcycles and uh, just kind of traveling around. This is also just one of those just being distracted and, and, and having fun at school and, you know, and going out and bike racing and, and doing stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, finally, um, they were like, hey, if you get rid of the motorcycles, then you can get a car. We'll, we'll help you with a car and you can make payments on it to us. So um, I did that. But uh, anyway, so car in hand, graduated, girlfriend that wanted to go out to the West Coast. Um, we had some friends, uh, uh, you know, kind of along the way. And uh, obviously, you know, this is wintertime. Um, we, I ended up actually graduating in uh, December. And uh, we took uh, two months, um, did a road trip around the uh, uh, southern uh, uh, part of the United States, uh, you know, brought our bikes with us and just kind of camped and stayed with friends and um, just had a really nice time and uh, didn't have enough money to stay in San Francisco and basically kind of ran out of money before we got to Seattle and had some friends in Portland. And so that's kind of how we ended up, uh, how we ended up there. How how many... You know, weeks or months was that process? Uh, that was like, oh, that was two months. We were on the road for two months, just a, kind of an adventure wow. and uh, um, just, yeah, just a That's lot of fun. Cool. Uh, yeah, no, no. Te- Texas is a is a is a big place. Found that out. Um, uh, yeah, just yeah, did a bunch of national parks, uh, White Sands, uh, Carlsbad Caverns. Um, uh, you know, just uh, uh, Taos, New Mexico. Just a lot of cool stuff. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, what, so what a great yeah. time to go west too, because that was in the early 1990s, right? Yep, early 1990s. Um, you know, there was. Yep. We were, I think we were starting to go into a little bit of a recession. Uh, you know, my goal was to uh, try to get a job with Boeing. Um, you know, just as an engineer, and that was kind of one of the things as far as getting up to Seattle. But uh, unfortunately, so we were out of money. You, so. so, so when you headed west, you did not have a job yet. You literally were were going out there and and going to find it when you got out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't have a job. But to a certain extent, it didn't really matter because my grades were so bad that I don't, you know, anyone, if I would have applied, you know, from from there, they would have said, uh, you know, hey, thanks. Thanks. But no, thanks. So, um yeah, no, no, it just ended up, uh, you know, we, we made it. I love it. Okay, so, yeah, the mission, though, is to be get to Seattle. But because you ran out of funds, Portland was it. Right. Yep. And so you're in Portland. So now you're in your you're you're kind of targeting Boeing. Right. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Um, yeah, at that point, um, we were, uh, or, or there, were, there, there was a bit of a recession and Boeing was not hiring. And so I just, I basically, uh, you know, yellow pages were a thing at the time. Uh, I pulled out, uh, you know, looked at consulting engineering and ended up, uh, just cold calling, um, all the companies there in, in, in Portland and, um, you know, uh, and finally got an interview and was able to avoid the question about how bad a student I was and uh, ended up uh, getting a job with a little 20 person um, uh, uh, consulting firm as a CAD designer and a, a mechanical yeah, just- designer. And Stefan, just to remind our audience, if in case yes. we have any younger listeners, yeah. so uh-huh. in the early 1990s, um, really, I mean, there was no Google at that time that I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, cell phones were just, I mean, they were about as big as a suitcase and they were just yep. coming into vogue, right? Uh, I remember at that point, I was beginning my sales career and I had to go payphone to payphone and carry rolls of quarters with me. Yep. Um, I mean, so technology then was not as we know it today, right? Inter- the internet was there, but it was via dial-up. Oh no! Oh no! Exactly. No, every it was just it was it was tough. It was literally uh, you you used your landline, you rung people up, and then you you showed up. But there was no you know you didn't have a cell phone to to connect if something happened to you along the way or or whatnot. There's no Um, LinkedIn. There was right no LinkedIn. No, it was was your your paper resume on a typewriter or a a. uh, dot matrix printer. <laughs> yep. No, no, I- I- exactly. Um, so, but, uh, yeah. And just, you know, from, a, uh, if folks know, or if they don't know it, you know, the, as far as consulting engineering, um, you know, what, what we typically do, uh, we work with architects, building owners, um, but a lot of just building science stuff, uh, ductwork design, piping design, um, building commissioning, making sure the designs work the way they're supposed to, and that they're energy efficient, um, energy analysis, Analysis, things like that, and so that was kind of the road uh, that that uh, that that I was on. But um, yeah, no, I, I still I remember that first uh, job. I, I think we were I was making like nine bucks an hour. It was just it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Amazing. All right, so you're in this twenty person engineering consulting firm. Uh, I imagine as you were starting, you you probably didn't get the cream projects, right? You had a you were probably working with a senior consultant on some to learn the way, or were you thrown right into the mix? Ah, uh, you know. Was war, uh, was thrown right into the mix. Um, you know, one of the interesting things about that first job, and it's always it's interesting because people will always, uh, you know, I, I, I get uh, I, I've you know taught uh, uh, adjunct fat or been adjunct faculty here at uh, at Portland State University um, for for some time, um, and you know you, you just kind of you, you get those questions on what do you do, and you, you get your first job, and really you just the, the goal there is you want to learn as much as you can, stick it out. But the reality is not a lot of folks are going to last more than two or three years there. And certainly that was kind of my experience, too. Um, And it was actually kind of a a big eye opener because, again, you know, when we talk about like life lessons and and things learned, this was one of those places, um, you know, I had that job for about a year and a half and um, ended up um, 
the company was actually bought out by a larger firm. And, you know, I, again, I was still kind of a, just a young green engineer and they had brought in a new uh, general manager, uh, this fella Jay. And he was, uh, I think a, he had a degree in physics. He was a submarine ex Navy, uh, uh, guy. Um, and what was, what I learned from it was the, just the, um, that you really got to listen and pay attention to your audience. And so, you know, he's going around as they, you know, we did the firm, they did the firm buyout and it turns out, you know, he's, he's chatting with me and, um, and I'm, you know, I'm talking and, you know, one of the things he says was, you know, I, I say, well, I think, and he's like, you know, Stefan, we don't pay you to think we pay you to do. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And that, that in retrospect was one of those life moments where I learned something really valuable because, um, again, we're still in this recession, you know, stuff's not moving super fast. And, you know, probably three or four months, we had some layoffs and I was shown, I was one of the people shown the door and, you know, I always, people say, well, you got laid off. It's like, no, I got fired. And I, what I learned from that was that was my job really to make my boss look good. Um, I mean, you want to do good work, you want to do good engineering, but at the end of the day, you want to make your boss or your supervisor, whoever your project lead is, you want, you're, you're trying to make their life as easy as possible and solve problems for them. And that was really a big eye opener and kind of that, that's kind of, I think when my career ended up uh, taken off, um, I ended up actually getting another job in town, uh, with a fellow, uh, um, who I considered he's probably still the best and he's retired now, uh, uh, for the most part, but the best engineer in town, just from a marketing perspective and, uh, uh and a technical perspective. And what I learned there, you know, I, I was there for almost 10 years, um, was all the ins and outs of the business. And that's, I think when I finally decided, Hey, I've got the, the skill set to be able to do this on my own. Well, Stefan, you just you just laid out some career gold advice uh, in the uh, you know we don't pay you to try we pay you to do uh, and I'll, I'll just put a rubber stamp on that and and early in my career in in sales and sales leadership uh, a very tenured experienced leader that I respected uh, mm-hmm. that was a mentor of mine uh, early in my career said you know Patrick we don't pay our people for effort. We pay them for results. Yes. And, and just like you, it hit me right between the eyes, right? We don't pay for effort. We pay for results. So nobody cares if you're working hard. We want you to work smart and, and get the job done. And uh, so that is beautiful. So that's going to be something our listeners will definitely take away from, especially our long, young listeners that are just getting started. Um, so uh, you're, you're at this engineering firm. You've, you've found this, this uh, how did you ultimately, I guess, take us through your progression to ultimately forming your own engineering consulting firm? How many years was that and how many steps in between? No, no, absolutely. And so as far as wanting to start my own firm, um, you know, when, when I look back at like projects that I've done and, 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 uh, you know, certainly there are a lot of ones that have been a lot of fun. There've been some that have been not, not as much fun, but, um, oh gosh, back, uh, you know, probably, uh, seven years into this, uh, um, uh, tenure at this company, maybe even a little bit less, um, 
we had boom times and we we had landed a job uh, building the, basically the latest, greatest high rise. Um, uh, so uh, this was a 27 story uh, office tower uh, retail, about 450,000 square feet, probably 500,000 square wow. feet. So sizable project. And one of the things what I've what I had done um, as far as uh, my role at the company was I really had kind of learned from that first experience when I got canned and I you know like you had pointed out the we get paid for results um, uh, and, and, and and kind of to step back just a little bit um, our firm had done a lot of high tech work and I had realized there were just a lot of people there in our, in our company that didn't really want to do stuff with the, uh, with clean room design and process piping. There's a lot of code requirements and, you know, you're, you're dealing with these things, trichlorosilene, um, nitrogen gas, oxygen gas, just a lot of stuff that, you know, if, if you did something wrong, you, you know, it, it could be pretty dangerous. And I ended up just, uh, learning the code and really um, going through and being thorough. And I think one of the things I did for my boss was I, I kind of in my off time learned all this stuff. And so um, there was a, you know, questions would come up in meetings uh, with these high tech clients and I would go, Hey, well, I don't know, but I'm going to go find the answer to that. And I did. And when I came back to the, you know, the next meeting or making a phone call, um, you know, uh, or, or sending out an email or something, um, was able to get a lot of these questions answered. So I was able to kind of establish myself there in the company as a little bit of an expert at, uh, you know, some of this process engineering work in the high tech arena. And so ended up, um, uh, uh, kind of earning the trust of my boss there. And at the same time, um, one of the things, I mean, I know we hadn't talked, haven't talked so much about just, uh, endurance sports and multi-sport, but, um, I'd, uh, you know, kind of picked that up, uh, back when I was in university. Um, uh, my boss, uh, he had a, we had an architect client and, uh, said, Oh, here's Stefan. He does, uh, he does Ironman and, um, uh, you know, multi-sport and endurance events. And what he, what he saw because this architect did the same stuff was this was a strength. And so now I was kind of the guy, I was one of the guys in the company that, uh, was an expert at some of this stuff. And at the same time was also doing, you know, my, some of my, uh, endurance, uh, events and, 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 and whatnot. And so I actually had kind of the support of my boss there, but anyway, you fast forward this to this high rise 27 story project. And, um, I was able to, uh, I was, I ended up becoming the project manager for, uh, basically all of this base building. So getting this building done so that finally the tenants could move in. And in the course of the tenants, you know, as this building was getting built, um, there started to be requests for designing the actual tenant build outs. And, um, it, as far as doing this, uh, was really kind of extensively involved. Um, you know, one of the things I found in my firm was that if I, could start bringing in my own clients. And mm -hmm. in this case, the companies that were coming in, moving into this building, if I could work with them directly, then I didn't have my boss or other folks kind of bothering me with doing their own work. Then I could just do all my own projects. And so literally I ended up having probably about 
the, uh, as this building was getting built, probably about a year and a half worth of just starting to do just my own work with my own clients, bringing my own clients in, managing them, um, generating the proposals, working on the, the P&L, the profit and loss, um, you know, and, and basically just making money for the company. And I, it was just kind of fun because I got to be left alone. And I just... Uh, <laughs> Could, you, you found know, a sweet spot. You found just, your sweet I, spot. I, I right literally, I, I found kind of a, I found kind of a sweet spot. And in, yep. in, in the course of that, Patrick, one of the things that I found was that uh, you know I'm sitting in these marketing meetings every week, and you start. Uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I've always wanted to be like a life lifelong learner, and just, and I'm like, if I'm going to be in this marketing meeting and we're looking at these P and L statements, and you know, you, you might as well learn something. And what I quickly learned was that. I was getting paid X and this project, you know, I, you know, we were maybe charging a fee of somewhere 15 to $20,000 to design a floor plate in this office. And I wasn't getting paid 10 or $20,000. And so, you know, again, not, it's not all about the money, but what I, what I started looking at was, huh, that's interesting. And, you know, you, 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 and again, my boss, great mentor, and, you know, you, you talk and, and, uh, you know, he always said, you know, gosh, health insurance is expensive. You know, you got to pay for the rent here. You got to have the secretary, you got to have, you know, you're gonna have a company car, you have all these expenses. And that's, that's, that's why, you know, you're getting paid X. And this is why we have to charge all this. And one of the things from a business perspective, and you probably have it, you know, in your, in your, in your, in your, in your software mm-hmm. stuff too, is, you know, you have multipliers. And so, you know, typically in our rule of the, the rule of thumb in our industry is you typically operate in a multi- multiplier probably of about three, two, you know, mm-hmm. two and a half to three. And, you know, your profitability is, you know, maybe you, can, you might be able to go down to like 1.9. And what that means for, for folks out in the audience is that if you're paying someone, you know, $100,000 a year, then they need to generate $300,000 worth of business to make it all a viable proposition for the company. And anyway, um, you know, I, I started to start dissecting that and I put my little spreadsheets together in my off time and was talking to, to, to Mary, my wife. And I said, you know, this is really interesting. You know, I take my salary out. I subtract Social Security. I subtract workman's comp out uh, or, or add all these things in, I should say. I, I add in what I think the rent is, how much it costs to heat this office and to employ the secretary and to have the company car. And I just can't get to, you know, why yeah, this is uh, – <laughs> the math doesn't work. And then you go into the company parking lot and your boss is driving this nice Audi and you go, I get it. <laughs> and, and anyway, you know, and this, and this is not a, a thing to, 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 you know, to, 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 to say that that's all a bad thing. But I, I started realizing that from an opportunity perspective, um, that there was definitely a lot more there. So I probably, you know, uh, gosh, probably I would say about a year and a half before I ended up leaving my firm, I just in my off time put together spreadsheets and uh, I was just trying to figure out, could I really make a go of this? And so, um, you know, definitely try to be really methodical. Um, and I did have the benefit. I had a buddy of mine, Clinton and, um, his buddy Randall, uh, they left a, uh, 
a large uh, structural firm with a couple other guys, and they started up their own structural engineering firm. And again, not mechanical, okay. not you know plumbing work, but what I um, I was able to you know bounce a lot of stuff out off of uh, Clinton there in real time because he was experiencing all this, and I just had spreadsheets. And you know, and this is one of these things, and you know, we can probably talk about it here in a bit, is just the the value of just real world experience versus theoretical experience. Yeah. And you know, I was able to again go through all the spreadsheets hone in my numbers and 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 really just go hey this is something that I think we can do and I think one of the things I really want to preface this with is that uh Mary my wife um you know you just you you really need a supportive partner for things like this and she literally finally one day said you know Stefan either do it or just shut up about it um and <laughs> I and I expect you know I she said I think you're going to succeed but if you don't, you need to go back and get a real job. And, you know, you know, and, and, and I know that's one of these things, you know, we probably want to talk about here a little bit is just the, um, you know, advice on, you know, starting your own business or, or, or whatnot. And that, you know, and, and I know people, you know, can certainly be kind of cautious. Um, I mean, I've got a good buddy of mine right now who's a um, uh, he's a pilot and, um, uh, you know, we train together on Swift and, you know, I keep kind of poking him a little bit going, you know, you, 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 you've got a, a gift for, for, uh, you know, potentially doing something here, you know, beyond that, you know, just in, as, as far as like an aviation safety consultant or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but anyway, um, I, uh, 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 the reason I say that is that from a, uh, a, a business perspective that you can always, if you're, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can go back and just get a real job. Um, I've been really, really fortunate that I've never, you know, since we started up our business back in 04. So it's been 18 years or so. I've never had to go back and get a real job, which is great. <laughs> That's awesome. There's, there are wonderful facts about being your own boss, but you know, that the, the corporation does provide risk mitigation and, and some other significant benefits, but uh, it all depends on, you know, do you have the experience and the capabilities and this, the discipline to be able to go out and do it on your own? And obviously you have, and that's, that's your sweet spot. It's been very successful. Um, yeah, I was definitely. Oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, definitely. I, I concur with you on the corporate side as far as the risk mitigation. But one of the things I found very quickly was that, and, and just a, and one of the reasons I did want to start the business was having uh, just consistently. It, it was funny because you know I, I, I'd have a project going out the door, and I had made it had made a promise to a client to have drawings and specifications out at a certain point, and you know my boss would come in an hour or two before the deadline and he would come in and redline stuff and say, Oh, we need to make all these changes. And at first I thought, Hey, that must be because I didn't do as good a job as I could have. What I really, what I find, what I realized and it took a little while is there's just, there's a, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. And even in engineering, which seems to be sometimes to be an exact science, there's certainly, there's kind of an art to it. There are many, there, you know, there are many solutions to different problems. And what I found was that if I could just get my stuff done, meet my deadline and basically avoid my boss and just get my drawings and my specs out the door, my clients were a lot happier. And what I found from starting my own business from the risk mitigation perspective is that there was just a lot less 
of the overhead work that I had to do at being in that corporate environment. And so by doing that, I would be able to, I spent a lot more time just on client communications and, you know, and, yeah. and everybody makes mistakes. They make, make, make mistakes mm-hmm. in life and business and whatnot. But if you communicate your intentions to your client and are clear about it and figure out what the goals are for a project, what you need to get done, then you're able to work through things like that. So I, I, I definitely, you know, I, I just have got, uh, even from a small business perspective, there, there was you know a lot more time there for that risk mitigation just by good client communications. Man, that's some good. That is some really good advice. Advice right there. Um, I, obviously, good communication is is critical, and everybody's like, "Yeah, of course." But you know, good communication, and you pointed it out, is is communicating in advance proactively. Right. Um, and that yeah. that creates trust with your client. And and that's where you become that trusted advisor as opposed to just someone that's a contractor. Um, but it all starts with that communication and, and communicating early and often and, and in, in real time. So that's good. Very good. So as we get, kind of put a bow on the career side of this a little bit, I, I guess what I'm how would you, you know, if you were if you were met someone at a coffee shop and they were thinking about starting their own business, what would be the the kernels of advice that you'd offer to them? You know, in a in a, in, a, in a couple minute conversation, right? What were the, what would be those critical things? Um, you know, the, what I would say, Patrick, is just do it. Um, life is short. Follow your dreams, and don't listen to the conventional wisdom that most businesses fail. Now, certainly there are a lot of bad ideas out there, but again, kind of like what I did. I mean, I, I have was fortunate enough to be in a business that provides a you know a, a, a reasonably technical product, and so. Um, you know, there's definitely, there's a market for that, but basically put together a spreadsheet and figure out what type of widgets that person that you're talking to in the coffee shop, what they want to do, what they want to sell, figure out who you want to sell them to, who your audience is and figure out how much you can sell them for, and then figure out how much it's going to cost to, to make those widgets and basically work all that out and then just do it. I'm, I'm a big proponent on learning, you know, not necessarily through your mistakes, but learning through doing, um, you know, you can certainly, you can theorize about a lot of things, but, um, I think, uh, it, it, it's so much better to do things by just act, actually implementing them into action and then kind of just figure out what works and what doesn't work. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, they have that entrepreneur inside of them. They just need to kind of unlock that and really just you know, take a couple of those risks. Um, you know, certainly I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur and then, you know, uh, you know, here we are fast forward, you know, years later, you know, we've, we've had a pretty good run at it. You know, your advice is outstanding. And, you know, sometimes people prepare and prepare and prepare to make the perfect plan. And rarely is there ever such a thing as the perfect plan. And as you know, from your engineering background, as you start a project and you're working, you know, in a direction following a plan, many times or oftentimes it deviates based on what you're learning along the process, whether it be limitations of the environment or new challenges or budget constraints that come up and you have to be flexible. But, but 
what will oftentimes happen like in this in starting a business is you'll head in a direction with a good plan and um, you've got to be nimble because you may uncover and you probably will uncover several factors that uh, you need to adjust to or modify in order to be successful um, you know it's that ability to to react quickly and to to move as you're getting new learnings and and sometimes the target changes a little bit but but the most important thing is head in a direction because otherwise if you don't start heading in a direction you'll never learn any of that and you'll be stuck at home base the whole time now patrick those are good words of wisdom <laughs> that, that that actually no that you, you you really hit the nail on the head i think that just that that talk about having that roadmap and really just anticipating that you are going to have some changes um that will come up they're they're you know rather than going oh my gosh something went wrong is you need to expect things are going to go wrong and you need to provide tests and you need to do th- you know yeah yeah I, I i think you know you're you're going to learn a lot more there from failures than you are from your uh, from your successes but uh you know definitely just having a plan in place is important because if you have the plan, then you can make adjustments on the fly. And like you said, just the ability to be nimble um, and, and and make changes, um, you know, it, it brings up a, a point. I mean, I remember, you know, probably a year into my business, you know, I'm taking clients out to lunch, trying to, you know, we're drumming up some work or so. And um, one of my uh, architects, uh, 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 Tim, that I had lunch with, I was telling him about all the awesome things I could do as a mechanical engineer. And he finally said, you know, Stefan, just take care of the changes that I need on the drawings, get them done in a timely manner. And we'll get along great. And what, and and what I you know and and what you know when you when you unpack that statement, what's in what 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 you realize is you don't have to be perfect, and no one's going to be perfect anyway. But literally, just telegraph your intentions, as you pointed out, build that trust, get things done, and. And get, and just take care of everything, you know, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, if you can do that, it's not rocket science. It's not super complicated. It's not a superhuman effort to, 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 to start your own business. It's literally just setting out goals and getting things done. Um, you know, I think there's just, uh, you know, there's so many people. I mean, anyone, if we want to use a football metaphor, anyone can get the ball into to the 20-yard line. It's But if the question is, you're going to be kicking a little, you know, field goals now and then is you want to be the, you know, the person that can go in into the red zone and score the touchdowns, you know, and, and, and yep, sometimes, yeah. And sometimes what that involves, I'm oh, sorry. In, in my world, we call that under promise and over deliver. Under promise. Exactly. <laughs> right. Do exactly mm-hmm. what you said you're going to do when you said you're going to do it. Yep. And, and, and learn from the, learn from your experience and learn, you know, learn good risk mitigation because, you know, sometimes it's fourth and three and you got to go for it, you know, and you, and you need to score the touchdown at that point. You don't need to, you know, you, you don't need the field goal, but, but, but yeah, no, there's, there's just, there, there's so many folks that can get things, get things 90% complete. And if you can just be the person that can get things and you don't even have to get things 100% complete all the time because, you know, if, you, if, if everything is always perfect, then you'll be out of business. You need to be able to figure out from a, uh, you know, whatever your, your, your business is, is getting things done so they're 
it's basically you know you, you, it it meets the intent of whatever contract you have, and that it it's 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 good enough. Um, you know, again, I'm not saying that you don't want to get things perfect, but if you always want to have make everything perfect, then you know, yeah, that that that's that's a problem too. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you know, perfect isn't necessarily a realistic objective because in the real world, yeah. there are budget constraints, right? And there's time constraints. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you want something perfect as a extreme example, it might be $5 million, but good enough is $2 million. And that's what the budget is. So, you know, real world says, well, let's scale it back to the 2 million. And, uh, and there you go. Right. And that's, that's the real world. We do that in software where, you know, you know, people, yeah, there you have, I bet use a car example is even a better example, right? It'd be great to, to drive a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari, but, you know, budget says that I'm going to drive a, a Chevy Z71 or, or whatever other vehicle, right? It's the same yes. thing in, in the engineering world or the software world. It's you've got to relate to what the requirements are back to the budget and then get a fit. And not everything is going to be perfect. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and just really, I think that kind of goes to just from a, a client perspective and, and, and just really listening and actually making sure that you hear what your client is saying, not what you think they're saying. And, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent on, you know, just trying to kind of to write things down like that and, and also co- doing a lot of correspondence if I can via email, because what's interesting is when I have a conversation with a client and I email and I parrot back a con- what we talked about, um, sometimes I realize, gosh, Stefan, what you thought your client had said is not what they said. And then, you know, it, it, it and just from to, to relate Patrick to what you're saying that, you know, what, uh, uh, you know, what, what is the budget? What is the solution we're trying to provide here? Because, you know, like we talked about earlier in the conversation, there's a lot of ways to skin the proverbial cat, but if you provide a solution that no one can afford, is you know to go back even further in our conversation it's worthless because you're getting paid for results not effort that's it and Stefan, i gotta tell you it's uh, as we as we wind up this career piece i think it was so important to tell number one because you've got such a powerful story to tell that that so many people can relate to and so many young people can relate to that are just getting started out and and where it's taken you and ultimately your career choices have led you to be able to live this lifestyle um, that you've wanted for yourself and for Mary. And, you know, together you built this life together and, and, you know, your career choices have been obviously a driving factor of that because it fuels the dream, right? It provides the, the income to be able to do the things you want to do. It gives you the time that you have the ability to train and travel and do the things you want to do. And so it's a beautiful thing. And so we had to, if you will, lay the foundation because you, you can't, you can't become a, a, a world championship caliber Ironman triathlete without having that solid financial foundation and the, the time to be able to do all those things and, and your choices and the way you went from Virginia Tech to where you are now owning your own consulting firm uh, is something that really allowed you to pursue all that at a very high level. And it's a beautiful thing. And, and no doubt why you've been so successful because you're you're on the right stack of mail, as I like to say. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that, Patrick. And I, I definitely, I, you know, I definitely need to, to give kudos to my wife, Mary, because she's, you know, uh, she she was the one that um, 
gave me the ability to kind of to go for it. And, uh, you know, as she said, you know, if you screw it up, you got to go back and get a real job. But, um, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, because we had, we had a couple of years where, you know, she was still she, you know, her she's a, her background is finance. She's got a degree in accounting. And so um, real smart and, 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 and the ability to, to, to look at the financial um, side of stuff. But also, you know, I mean, we had a couple of years where she was helping to carry some of the overhead for the business because she was like, hey, I'll, mm-hmm. I got health insurance for us through my job. And, you know, and the cool thing was that, you know, after a few years, she's like, you know, I can I, I can quit. And, and she ended up actually leaving her job. And then she did um, a bunch of IT um, financial consulting uh, work, which she still does a little bit, you know, as well as now just kind of managing our finances and investments and stuff. But, um, that's you know, that's certainly, that's, that's a huge, huge part of it. Yep. True partnership. Very good. Very successful. Thank you for joining us in episode one with Stefan Brox. Join us for episode two, where Stefan will talk about the places he's lived and the animals that have lived there with him. You have been listening to the Brawny Conversations podcast. Thank you for choosing to spend time with us today. And please subscribe to the podcast to receive our latest episodes and give us a follow on social media. New episodes are now in production and we can't wait to share them with you. Pursue your passions and help others along the way. Have a great day and thank you for listening.